0: welcome to blue rain gallery podcast today we're honored to have a visit by bryce pettit a renowned sculptor who's been in our stable for a couple of years now and welcome bryce thank you very much thank you for coming from durango yeah <laughs> glad to be here beautiful country beautiful country well we always start this off um because we want our audience to kind of know uh where you're from and uh, how you got started into art and maybe you can start with that. Where were you born and, and uh, where were you raised?
1: Uh, I grew up on kind of northern Utah, southern Idaho, kind of in that region, back and forth a little bit. All very rural agricultural communities and I, I feel like it was a very magical childhood growing up in the mountains and I just had free reign to explore and which is very influential for me so you get close to the tetons over there and yeah uh, i had a lot of family that was in idaho falls and so okay. um yellowstone park and jackson and the, that whole general area really felt like our backyard we some of my earliest memories in life are going and playing around in that area so your parents uh take you hiking and camping or yeah we that did that a lot we of that yeah um uh, we did a lot of hiking and camping, and and then even more so, more formative for me was just by the time I was about 12 years old, I was just on my own exploring. And now as a father, I have a hard time imagining letting my kids have that same sort of carefree freedom. The the yard was where I wiped my feet, and as long as I was home for dinner, it didn't matter. I was just out exploring.
0: Yeah, it's uh, different when you're out there versus your kids for sure.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But I was. Um, sitting at a restaurant the other day uh at, at a bar and uh this guy sat next to us and uh, i was telling him yeah me and my wife we like going up uh this certain hiking trail and he goes well if you knew how many mountain lions are out there right. you wouldn't even bother
2: it
1: can get kind of scary but
0: yeah uh, wildlife is around us all the time I, I suppose this is what inspired you eventually to get into art yeah,
1: I mean, I've always loved uh, being out in the wilds and just exploring. Animals are very important for me. I actually did grad studies as an aquatic ecologist. So, oh I've, wow, yeah, yeah. Before, I didn't. I've done art and I've loved to make things. I've always worked with my hands ever since I can remember. I just love to make things, and um, but but I never grew up with the intention of being an artist. I've always been an artist, but that wasn't like an accepted career choice in the environment that I grew up in, so. I think that's uh, kind of
0: common sometimes. Parents are like, oh, you need to become a lawyer or a doctor. Yeah, you know? exactly. That and was so, exactly. yeah, you're gonna have a hard life if you become an artist. Yeah. Because you know? st- the struggle
1: is real. That's right. <laughs> I started out, my first semester of college was in pre-med, and that took one one semester, and I was like, no, this is not what I
0: do. So, did you get a degree finally, is that what you said?
1: Uh, I did. I did a master's program in ecology. And, and explain that. Well, so I did a bachelor's degree in general biology, and then um, a master's program with like the study of streams and the fish and all the ecosystem there, with the bugs and the the birds and the, everything that goes into it. And then I got accepted to um, the University of Alaska Fairbanks, and I was going to do a PhD. But between that master's program and the PhD, when I was supposed to start. Uh, I had a summer off, and I had always been doing my art. There would never been a time when I have not been creating art. And that summer, I'm like, oh, you know, it would be really fun to start developing this a, little, this a little bit more. So that summer, I loaded up my little Mazda pickup and started driving around all my creations and got so enamored with this. You know, it felt like a revelation to me that there were people that were doing that for a living. And that was it. I, I never went back. Well, sometimes
0: it takes a jump. You
1: know, yeah close your yeah. eyes and go for it and, yeah uh, it
0: seems maybe a little bit of your your studies have helped you along the way yeah. um, I mean noticing the the whole ecosystem of how bugs and animals and all this goes around it's pretty
1: cool what was one of the first sculptures you made oh first sculptures probably were fish mm-hmm. uh, I did some wood carvings initially and I tried some stone carving and like I said I've always just loved to make things uh, I grew up painting and drawing but animals have always been a big a big inspiration for me so when did you get into clay Uh, I think for me the way I think of it is um, any sculptor eventually ends up playing around with clay because it's gives you the ultimate freedom like when I did wood carvings you're very limited by the material you have to be conscious of the grain and how it's you know uh, supported and the strength and all that and the same for stone carving you have to plan it out and look at the rock and look see at what the fissures and yeah mm-hmm. and work with that and I think at least for myself and I think a lot of sculptors are saying that you eventually get frustrated by the limitations of the material and you gravitate towards clay because you have as much the only limiting factor is gravity you know you can have this whole big bird attached by a tip of its wing and um so you get a lot of free yeah the oil
0: base for sure lets you um yeah have liberation but i i do like um harder clay sometimes because you can keep edges uh, yeah. i find keeping edges with uh oil-based clay is really hard
1: it is yeah and i've experimented with some waxes some of my more finely detailed pieces i'll actually sculpt in wax instead mm-hmm. of clay because you do get slightly more detail and yeah and you can keep those crisp edges i know yeah. what you're talking about yeah so let's talk a little bit about um, where did you develop the idea to put a sculpture on the wall. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a transition from what I was just saying. Like you you are always seeking for more freedom of expression. So I leave stone and wood carving, go to to bronze, and as I said, you're only limited by gravity. And eventually, for myself, I was like, I, I want to do something that's not having to sit on the ground, that's not attached. And so, what's the most simple way to create a concept is is just the form itself, just the bird, and the next step was to attach it to the wall
0: yeah the, the, one of the coolest things was uh, the first time we did a display for us in with the birds and the butterflies and it's like, wow, why hasn't anybody thought about this before <laughs> <laughs> you know talk about yeah. innovation versus imitation that yeah. was an innovative move and uh, well thank you yeah that, that that takes not only creativity of the piece but the,
1: the vision of how to display it properly yeah. where people can appreciate it. The other thing I really like about it is that it, the whole space becomes part of the artwork. It's no longer when it's setting on a pedestal, it is contained within itself and to some degree, but when it's part of the room, when it's on the wall, the whole space becomes interactive. Yeah. A lot of people like it as a, as filler spaces, because of, like think about
0: a staircase. Mm-hmm. It's all, how do you decorate a staircase? Exactly. You know, yeah. and it is a perfect thing. If it's round, if it's a rounded staircase yes. or whatever, you know, it, <laughs> yes. it works great uh, with the
1: birds as well and uh, really popular.
0: What are your hobbies these days?
1: I still spend a lot of time out of the doors. Um, that's what I figured. <laughs> yeah, I just love it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's where I really connect and find my inspiration and all that kind of when stuff.
0: You're, when you're out in the outdoors, are, are, do you have a camera with you and stuff? Are you looking for wildlife or are you just trying to visually remember when you get back to the studio from stuff you're looking at?
1: Um, I used to do a lot of photography and try to get into that. I've never been a great photographer, but I think for me, what's become more important is to, to capture the feeling. I know that sounds really fuzzy, but it's the, is remembering how it made you feel and then trying to recreate that for as far as like sculpting an animal, um, you can study the anatomy, you can study how they go together. And as long as you understand that you can create the animal itself, but the position and the motion within that sculpture has to come from the feeling, which is not something you can get from even 10 photographs, you know, or a hundred photographs.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure if the audience can see the, the uh, Eagle behind uh, Bryce over here, but uh, where did you come up with the composition of the Eagle like that? Was that off a photograph or was it just a memory?
1: So that one was more trying to create a feeling of like, uh, kind trying to create an emotion. So I wanted to create this feeling of like struggle and breaking free power, but re you know, some restraint and, and, um, and like emergence to it. So I chose an Eagle as the medium to tell that story. Mm-hmm. Once you get the anatomy of the Eagle, then I start to move the wings around and move the position of the body and everything until it feels like i want it to like the emotion i was going for
0: thank goodness for oil-based clay yeah right? exactly yeah because <laughs> it allows freedom. you to do that right yes yes yeah. yes and i noticed that about the bear as well on our desk um you're capturing emotion and yeah. the animal and that's that's well if you're going to be a sculptor find a way to be different and to try to capture something that nobody else is capturing and that, yeah. uh capturing a feeling um or putting that into a an object is hard. Yeah. A lot of people can't, they might be able to make a perfect bear, but a bear doing something and, or having that passion or
1: uh, emotion in it, uh, it's hard to do. Yeah, so I like, the, uh, I like to say, I know a lot of animal sculptors are creating models of animals. To me, that it rises to the to the level of art when it's not just a model of something, but you're using the animal to tell or create an emotion, tell a story.
0: That that leads, leads me to another
1: question, and who, who do you look up to in the sculptural world? There's a bunch, I mean, there's so many really talented sculptors out there. Um, uh, going back to uh, where you know, my child had grown up and going to Jackson a lot, that was a very big of inspiration. So, Alongside the time in nature for me was in the evenings we'd go walk around in the gallery. So those are very closely linked for me, seeing the artists that are up there and the National Museum of Wildlife up there, artists up there uh, with the, you know, some of the best wildlife yeah. sculptures and paintings that exist. And you know, there's uh, a number of guys that I that I follow up there, a kind of long long list of maybe too many to <laughs> name, but. <laughs> Well, another another
0: part of of sculpting, uh, it's one thing to create the piece, and then you get it cast. Yeah. And this is probably all lost wax yes. process, mm-hmm. and then uh, it's put together, uh, metal worked, chased as they call it. Yeah. And then we deal with patinas. Yeah. Right. And uh, where did you get your idea or sense of uh, color palette for these bird? Your average. I notice they're not. Full of tons of color they're kind of
1: muted yeah and is that on purpose is that something that well it depends a little bit on the piece um i know that a lot of sculptors really uh, narrow down to a single patina they like to use i prefer to have the patina the the piece and the emotion really dictate the patina that goes into it some of them are more suited to kind of a organic uh more loose patinas, such as on the eagle and on the bear here, and some of them specifically call for something that is more depictive of the piece, like in the background, we have the the monarchs up on the wall. a monarch that 's not orange and black doesn 't really look like a monarch, and so it 's not telling that story right um, and and then I you know, as you're saying with the casting process it's it's it really is a a group effort I have it's a team it's a team Mm -hmm. yeah I have great metal workers and great foundries I work with four different foundries a couple different metal workers and then I do my patinas with Nathan Bennett who's also an artist a very accomplished artist in his own right so a lot of times the discussion for patina is a real open discussion where we talk about what we're trying to do and you know not to keep coming back to it but I We'll often talk about what are we trying to make you feel with this piece, and then we'll adapt the patina to it. Instead of saying, you know, put this chemical here, this goes there. It's it it develops on its own with the piece. Yeah,
0: I also noticed you've been working with uh, with stainless steel.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what's
0: what do you like about that versus say the patina process on bronze? well because it's kind of a patina in a way it is right? yeah
1: it's a different finish and it you can cast the same piece in stainless steel and it feels completely different you have this bright shiny you know uh, it, a much more modern feel to it even the same form it's amazing to me how different it is just based on the metal
0: yeah the, the, uh, sometimes the patinas could give that real warm feeling yes and then yeah the, the steel is a little more cold
1: yeah. Right. And I guess that's why I started playing around with stainless steel to begin with is because it created, you know, with, with bronzes, you are mostly dealing with the warm palette. So if you want something that's in the cooler side of, of colors, you have to go to the stainless.
0: So is it is it harder for a foundry to cast in stainless steel than is uh, bronze? Is the shrinking, uh, the
1: shrinkage rate on the the shrinkage rate is similar it is harder most art foundries are not equipped to do stainless steel they they farm it out i have a foundry that i work with they they require special furnaces they have to use an induction furnace instead of a forced gas furnace mm. cuz the melting temperature is twice what bronze is yeah yeah i so, thought it would be a little bit more difficult to to produce that yeah, yeah it is but if you have the right furnaces it's not there's not anything terribly different about the casting process it's just getting the metal hot enough
0: yeah As far
1: as your career goes, where do you want to take this?
0: What's the future bring
1: in for you? (laughs) It's always changing. I I feel like I'm in a phase right now where I'm wanting to tell more stories with the pieces. And when I put together a show, I'm trying to not just create, you know, uh, I'm trying to create a cohesive show that, that has a story that unifies all the the pieces in that. Uh, One that I'm working on, that will be coming up in May for here at Blue Rain is a, is a kind of loosely titled about what the animals have taught me, you know, mm-hmm. like different life lessons or different things that are part of my personality and that are important to me represented through different animals. What is your relationship with the gallery? Why are you in a gallery versus not being in a gallery? Um, i there's a bunch of different answers to that question. When I first started out, In my artwork, like I said, I just loaded up my little Mazda pickup and I just drove around and showed it to whoever I I could. But I really feel like you're limited in what you can do with that. Um, I can't be everywhere at once. I can't, you know, I have a hard enough time keeping up with creating the art. And so the reason that I feel like the gallery is very important is because they're able to show you to the right people, they're kind of able to curate and direct your career in a way that that um, gets to more exposure gets to more presentation it's really a matter of synergy you know there's there's things that I could just never do trying to to represent myself yeah. I've noticed a pretty good relationship with you and
0: in, in Blue Rain Gallery. And uh, in, every year you've been here, we've, we've been growing.
1: Yeah, it feels great. And, yeah. you know,
0: sometimes these journeys, we, we we expect them to just take off. Yeah. But it, it takes time. It takes cultivation. Yeah, and it does. Patience, right? Yeah. And,
1: well, we're building stuff together. Yes. You know, we're building together. And I really respect and I'm grateful for all that you guys do. And I'm um, able to kind of carry along the great reputation that you've created here to be a part of that as a real honor so. well it's mutual because
0: we, we feel honored to have you in our stable you have enough
2: um we're, we're under 20 minutes i okay. mean okay well
0: i don't like long ones anyways because i got the z signs on the, the you jim got Bogle. z signs on <laughs> <And> the, <laughs> and the jim vogel when we got a comment of just all z <laughs> Oh boy! Well, you know, it's um, going to make me paranoid seeing yeah, that. Now. Well, doing doing podcasts is is yeah. a very similar uh, as an artist uh, showing your work because you get commentary. Yeah. maybe you're exposing yourself. Yeah, and it's uh, <laughs> it's an interesting feeling. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, people don't hold back on their opinions sometimes, and it's yeah. just how it goes. Future big big projects besides the scene you're maybe working on.
1: Uh, I don't have any big monuments right now i've i uh I've done a bunch of big public monuments and they're really satisfying as far as the the presentation and being able to have that out there, which but, is the biggest one you've done well let's see I did a 14 foot high monuments in the Air, in Tulsa International Airport. And uh, what was the imagery of? It's the state bird of Oklahoma. Oh, right on. Yeah, the big, big scissor tails. And we have some scissor tail sculptures here, but it's a uh, kind of big intertwined piece. And it's on this movable base that goes around. It's really cool. It's, it's like a Lazy Susan? Or? Yeah, it moves slow enough that you can't really see it moving, but when you look at it, you realize it's in a different position every time you look. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a
0: sculpture that I, I, I really like we have here on, on the Blue Rain Gallery floor, and that's the heron. Oh, the crane, the sandhill crane. crane. Yes. Yeah, 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 Those are all over the place. I mean, we were, we were uh, towards your your place in Durango the other day and saw them in the fields. Yeah, um, you yeah, their migration. Uh, but that's a big deal for most
1: people through here. Like well, to in see. New Mexico has a real connection because a lot of them overwinter here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bosco de Apache is a big wintering yeah. spot for the sandhill crane, and um, yeah, they're beautiful birds. I uh, birds are probably my favorite subject to school. Well, you're,
0: you're really good at uh, doing them. sure especially the the emotion you captured in the eagle behind us. i really like that thank you very much so bryce uh you're creating a show for this summer at blue rain gallery Mm -hmm. uh
1: what are some of the subjects you're you're working on okay so a couple like i said the the sort of loose working title for me is what the animals have taught me and um one that i'm really excited about has kind of been in my head and in the works for maybe 10 years this is just but now is the time that it has to happen uh is a pair of terns of arctic terns which are these beautiful birds they look a little bit like gulls but not really they're much more delicate and, and so for me the terns have become a symbol of my children because arctic terns fly from one pole to the to the next pole every year um, all the for, way around the uh, earth? Yeah, the so they around. do a 28,000-mile t- migration every year. Holy they go God. from pole to pole. They're following the summer the whole time. And feeling all so for me, they, the turns go to the ends of the earth, which is why that's a symbol for me of my children. I say to my children... To go to the ends of the earth for you. Mm-hmm. And on a lot of my sculptures, if you look next to my signature, I'll have a couple little stamps and there's a little wing of a turn that I've been using as a little like cartouche on the, well, on makes, the sculptures. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that's one example of some of the, what the animals have taught me. Another one that I'm going to do, um, I, my partner and I, Allison Smith, she's also a painter. We have worked quite a bit with some animal rehabilitation places like a wildlife rescue where they'll take injured animals and then uh, get them healthy again and release them back in the wild. And, um, and one of the more difficult animals to rehabilitate are owls and great horned owls in particular. They are so feisty. Are they? Yeah, they're really feisty. And so one of the, uh, I was talking to the the guy who ran the facility, and it was a place in um, Arizona, outside of Scottsdale. And I said, well, "How come no one ever uses great horned owls to for falconry?" Because they had a you know some birds that would some falcons and hawks and things like that. He said, "You know, an owl would rather die than be your slave." <laughs> and so I love that, like just like nobody's you, you're not beholden to anyone. So I'm going to do a great horned owl and with some sort of feeling around would rather die than be somebody's slave that's interesting we uh where i live um uh, there's a,
0: a one of those owls they're huge yeah they are they're monstrous and um the other night i went out he was hooing and i was all whoo and he hooed back and we had a conversation of hooing that and what we said but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun <laughs> but they're beautiful creatures and i uh, yeah. really appreciate um your artistry and bringing some of that uh Life into these objects that we we get to surround ourselves with, and appreciating the wildlife that we don't pay attention to. There, it's all around us, but I guess we get too busy. Yeah. so we come to Blue Rain Gallery, and we're like, wow, <laughs> look at that scene. You know, that's great.
1: Well, thank you.
0: Well, we'd like to thank you, uh, Bryce, for showing up today and giving us a good podcast. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to encourage everybody to subscribe to our many platforms. You can always go to. Uh, BlueRainGallery.com. Go under the blog section and, and find the, the the podcasts, and uh, also on our YouTube channel and iTunes and Spotify. Uh, thank you.
2: Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Hey, yo.